Well, good morning, Refuge Church. It is a good, good day uh, this morning. We have, a, we have baptisms. We have a lot to celebrate. I love the student section here. Y'all are just barely out of the splash zone uh, this morning. But um, So we came back from the student trip uh, last week. And uh, like I said last week, I just wanted to encourage everyone that God is still working. You'll see it today uh, in the hearts of our students. Uh, it is, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Awesome doesn't begin to describe what God is doing uh, in our students. I wanted to bring a verse, first and foremost, to, uh, to those who are being baptized, to those who have been saved, uh, and really to the young uh, hearts here today. Uh, this comes from 1 Timothy 4.12. It says, don't look... Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Uh, so we get to celebrate that today in baptisms. Uh, I said, uh, actually I've heard a couple people this week were like, wait, who's preaching this week? Oh, you're preaching? Okay, good, it'll be shorter uh, so we can do that because we got a lot of baptism to go through. Um, now that y'all are here and you're trapped, uh, I don't know how this is going to go. So it may, uh, I tried to make it short, but uh, uh, we got a lot to go through. Um, but I, I promise you this, that this will be the most important part of your day, hearing the gospel, uh, being in the gospel, saturating yourself in the word. Uh, there's nothing more important than this, but, um, but we do have a lot of baptisms to go through as well. Um, all right, for my... People at Refuge that call Refuge home. First of all, welcome to all the uh, the first time uh, guests today. Uh, it's awesome to see y'all. I'm ready to celebrate with you. Uh, for the for the people that have been here a long time, uh, who who would here would call yourself family at Refuge? Okay, I, I got some. I got texts over ten texts or personal conversations after my last sermon. Uh, where, I don't know if y'all remember this, I barely remember what I did yesterday, so I, I don't blame if you don't remember, but there was a part in the sermon where I just read biblical truths about God, uh, just, just one after another. They were not my words, they were just, just biblical truths. And I had a few people come up to me and say, like, man, when, when you read that, when I heard the word, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to yell, I just wanted to scream, or I just wanted to say something back. And I want to encourage you, uh, that's okay, you can do that, Okay. Uh, you can talk back to me. In fact, if it's God's word and there's a, there's a truth that you hear today, it's okay to say amen. Uh, if it's my word and it's not good, please boo me. That's fine too, okay? Because what you should hear today is, uh, is God's word. But uh, I just wanted to encourage you all uh, in that. Talking to three different camps today, three different camps of people. Uh, you come in today as a Christian. If you come in today as a Christian, I hope that today's message, we are simply going through the gospel and assurance of salvation. That's it for today. Uh, I hope and I pray that you are encouraged uh, by this and by God's word. Um, students are, are used to this. Go, everyone go like this for a second. Get your fingers ready. We're going to be turning. We're going to be turning in the scriptures, okay? If you need a physical Bible, we have some at the back, but we're going to be going to a lot, of, a lot of different verses today. So to the Christian, I hope that you are encouraged and that you do feel secure in your salvation after hearing this message. Uh, to the non-Christian, if this is your, if you are outside the household of faith, uh, you need to hear this beautiful gospel. I look out and I see uh, all of you, and I just have this picture of us uh, as we sang those songs. What it will be like to be singing uh, to our great King, Holy, Holy, Holy! What an amazing thing that is! And I pray 
that some of you come to know him today. Hear this gospel. It is truth, and it is not a coincidence that you are here today hearing this. And then there's a third camp that is the Christian by word only. Uh, the Christian who is, uh, maybe comes to church every so often, uh, maybe knows some truths about Scripture, uh, but it hasn't worked into your heart yet. Um, and I say yet because there is hope. If you are here, there is hope. Um, and I'm speaking to you today, and I just, qu- I just ask you to examine yourself. That's what we're all called to do. But for those Christians who are in name only, examine yourself today. Uh, don't see these things as a checklist or something that you have to work your way up to, uh, but just examine yourself. Uh, so a couple things. We are, I'm gonna be, like I said, we're going to be going, going through just the straight gospel, and then I'm going to have a list at the end. And I, when, we, when I read this list, uh, again, don't see this as a checklist. Uh, I preached this to the students the other night. They found it helpful. It actually not, doesn't come from me. Uh, it comes from the book of First John and uh, John MacArthur, if you've ever uh, listened to him before. Uh, but I just want to put that caveat. Uh, we, it's easy to see things and hear questions and be discouraged, and I pray that that's not true, that you are simply using this to examine yourself. So with that, uh, let me pray, and then we'll get straight into it. Lord, I need you. God, we need you. Lord, may your words be clear today. God, would you give ears to listen, eyes to see, and God, just open hearts today, Lord. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. All right. So the gospel, it is something that we talk about every single week at, uh, at students, but also here at the refuge every single week. And it's something that we tend to gloss over if you've Christ- been a Christian for a while. You hear, you hear this gospel being thrown around. So what is the gospel? And do not, don't tune me out, Christian. I know it's easy because you're like, I hear it every week. Uh, if, if you are a Christian here, this should be sweet to you. Every time we hear the gospel, it should be sweet. This is the best news um, to hear the good news that Jesus rescues sinners. So, we have a problem. We all have a problem. Who here has sinned? Who here has sinned this morning? Who here is sinning right now? I'm just kidding. You don't need to tell me that. My morning... I have sinned this morning. I woke up to three piles of dog poop in my uh, living room to a dog that I let out multiple times. And my thoughts were not, count it all joy, my brothers, as James would say. My thoughts were far from that. So I need the gospel. You need the gospel. I don't know, I may, have, I may have preached this here before, and I can't remember, I wish I knew where I heard it, but um, think of it this way. Even those small sins are a big deal. Those small sins against the holy God are a big deal. If I took a knife and I went outside and I scratched, 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 scraped the pavement, would I be in trouble? If I just, did I just scraped the pavement? No, I wouldn't be in trouble. If I took that knife and I went out to one of the, uh, the glorious uh, Dawson-Stockdale boulders and I put a little scratch in it, would I be in trouble? Probably not. If I went to a junkyard and I took that knife and I went up to a car and I scratched the side of the car, uh, would I be in trouble? Probably not. They'd be just like, what are you doing? Now, what if I went to Nashville and I found the Ferrari dealership and I went up and I found the best, uh, I'm not a car guy, what's, what's the most expensive Ferrari? 
I don't know. I'll make up an Italian word like, for, you know, spaghetti, the spaghetti 500. <laughs> so I scratched the spaghetti 500, the most expensive Ferrari. Would I be in trouble? Yes. yes. Why? Because of the value of the thing that I am offending, right? So even that small thing, it's not a different thing. I did. I, I scratched, just like I scratched outside, I just I did that against something that has more value. So when you have a small sin compared to a holy God, an infinite holy God, that, that, is, that is a huge deal to him because he cannot be a part of sin. That's the problem. But we have an answer. Turn with me first to Romans 1.16. When we ask, what is the gospel? If you want to write these down, that's fine too. I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll read them. I don't I have only a few slides. I haven't put up the, uh, the scriptures. You get my uh, summertime in the psalm slide deck, uh, slide deck as well. That uh, It's not, not as pretty, but I don't get paid to make PowerPoints either. So, What is the gospel? Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we see here, first and foremost, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8, or excuse me, 15, 1 through 8. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. And if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here it is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, uh, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as, as the one untimely born, he also appeared to me. So what is this? Why is it important? This is the gospel right here. He says uh, um, uh, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That means that all of the Old Testament was all fulfilled in Jesus. All of the New Testament points back to Jesus. Hear me clearly today. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. But it's important because it means that he is who he said he was, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then I love this next part, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. I love to talk about this because think about that. It's easy to read this in a book. It's easy to read this and not put yourself there. He was as real to these people as I am to you. If, if you were to go somewhere else, and, and you were to say, Paul preached on Sunday. And they would say, no, he didn't. He wasn't there. You would say, yes, he was. I saw him. He was there in front of me. That's how real this Jesus is. So he was, he was who he says he was. He is who he says he is. And that he appeared to, to real people. So yes, the Bible does have a bias. I hear that often. Well, the Bible's biased. Of course it is. Of course it's biased. Because they had a story to tell. They saw him. So if you're here and not a Christian, I'm telling you, this is true. Lastly, I love this verse. If, you, uh, if you're a note taker, write down 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, if you're a tattooer, I don't know. 
Uh, get it stamped on your forehead. Don't do that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is the gospel in a nutshell. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. My goodness, let's read that again. For our sake, put your name there. For your sake, insert your name, he made him, who's him? Jesus. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. So he himself took on sin. He took on all of your sins. How much? All of your sins. That sin that you were talking about this morning, it's paid for. That sin that you will commit as soon as you walk out this door is paid for. That sin that you commit two days from now is paid for. Yes, even that sin that you have not told anybody about, that deepest, darkest sin is paid for if you are in Christ Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He himself walked this earth without sin. He had thousands of people around him who could have called him out and could have seen that sin, but he was perfect in every way. That in him, we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus, in Jesus alone, nothing else. So that is the gospel. We have a problem. We have sinned. We have fallen short. We need Jesus, but he made a way. He made a way for you and I. So then the next question, we get to the assurance. How can I know for sure I'm saved? I hear this a lot from, from students. Um, who here, uh, and I'll just call you out, who here is a Christian, who would say they are a Christian? Raise your hands. Who here has been a Christian for longer than 10 years? Of those, how many of you have ever doubted your faith? All right, you new Christians, look around. Yeah, I see some two hands up there. It's like a roller coaster. Look around. This should be encouraging, okay? This should be encouraging to you. But the good thing is, it is not, your salvation is not based on your feelings. Praise God, because if it was, I would be not saved every single day. And I would screw this up every single day. Salvation comes from the Lord and the Lord only. So let's go to the word. Again, for a minute, put aside your feelings. We will talk about feelings today and what it, what it may feel like if you're a Christian, but put that aside and go to the Word. I don't know about y'all, but I need a true north. I need somewhere to go. When I'm like this, when I was like this this week, and my mind's all over the place, God, give me somewhere where I can go and hone in on your Word. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. Hear that, underline it. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is so good news. It is a free gift. It was a costly gift, but it is not something that you do. This is a gift of God. Why? So that no one may boast. Not one of us can get up to eternity and say, I did enough. I, I made enough right decisions. I did enough good works. None of us can say that. 
because he said I can be here, because he, of what he did, that's what we rely on. We rely on Jesus. We rely on the gift of God and what he did. Romans 10, 9. I almost want the student section just to rehearse this because we go through it so much, but here it is. What must I do to be saved? Romans 10, 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Drop the mic, walk out the door. There it is. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. This is great, great news. So for the person that you're talking to, uh, who, if, you, if you confess with your mouth, this is part one, if you confess with your mouth, would others know that you're a Christian? Would they know that you believe in Jesus? Do you confess with your mouth? I can look at you and you can confess to me and I can say, I think that person believes in Jesus. But here's the second part. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Believe in your heart. That is not just, I think it's cool, yeah, Jesus died. I think that, that's, you know, Jesus is dope, yeah. I think that's, uh, for that, yeah. yeah, I guess, yeah, I think he died. No, no, it is a belief in your heart. That is every fiber of your being. Again, not on feelings, not on whether you feel it or not, but a knowing in your heart and following Jesus with your whole life, everything about you, that's when you can be, be secure because God is the one who does it. He does that in us. That is not something that we muster up. He is the one that does that. And then the promise comes that you will be saved if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart then you will be saved. So that brings us to, actually, let me, we need to go to Romans uh, 8, 38. I'm going I'm to skip, read Acts 16. Uh, it's going to tell you exactly what, we just, what I just talked about. Uh, repent and believe. That's what it all comes down to, repent and believe. That's what Jesus preached. That's what we should always preach, repent and believe. But if this is true about you, you need to go to Romans 8.39, and turn with me there as I turn uh, with you. Romans 8.39, another one that we need to know. Romans 8. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That's Romans 9. Math is hard sometimes. I'll start in verse 37. So again, if that is true about you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved and God does not break his promises. Does not break his promises. So if that is true, you can sing these songs and you can know that is true for you. You can read the scripture and know this is true for you and then this is the promise here. It says no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, there's assurance, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. When you hear that, you cannot 
be removed from his hand. Nothing, what, that whole thing is pointing to, there is nothing. Anything else in all creation can separate you from the love of God. Christian, hear that today. Not even you. You are not powerful enough. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Your feelings cannot separate you from the love of God. Things outside cannot separate you. Nothing else, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. So now we move on to some evidence. Oops. Evidence of the Spirit. So again, this is where I want to caveat with do not look at this as a checklist. Uh, for, my, for my students, remember the three big words we talk about? What is it called when you are at the point of salvation? Say it louder. Justification. You are justified through the blood of Christ because of what he did. That is, that is where you are at at the point of salvation. What's the rest of your life? Sanctification. The rest of your life until you die is sanctification. What's the last one? Huh? Glorification, that's right. So this, all of these things that we're going through, we are in this middle part of sanctification. These are not things that you have to muster up uh, inside of you to do. These are things that the Spirit will do. So hear me clearly, and I'm probably beating a dead horse here, uh, but it's so important that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's only Jesus. It's not you and your works. It's not you and, well, I got to do a little bit more to get there. No, no, no. It is Jesus plus nothing equals what? Y'all awake with me? Awesome. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But if you're a Christian, these things will happen. And again, just uh, examine yourself when we go through these. And again, none will be done perfectly. So the first one, this, all of these come from 1 John. 1 John 5, 1, have you enjoyed fellowship with Christ the Father? 1 John 5, 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the, is the Christ and is, excuse me, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Do you love the things of God? Do you love what God loves? Do you enjoy being with God? Do you enjoy being here? Do you enjoy hearing his word? If you do, that's, that's an evidence of the Spirit. That is something that if, if you were not a Christian, you got better things to do. Some of you probably are here like, I got dragged here. I do have better things to do. Uh, but if you are here and you enjoy if you enjoy hearing his word, if you enjoy fellowshipping with Christ the Father, then that is evidence of the Spirit. Are you sensitive to sin? 1 John uh, 1, 7 through 10 says, If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we, can, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, man, this is good. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Are you sensitive to your sin? What does that mean? When you come to the word, when you come to something that God hates, do you hate it as well? Do you love your sin? It's a big one. So again, we're not talking about feelings. However, if you are a Christian, 
there should be a hatred for your sin. You, you will sin. You know, it, it, sanctification means that you are being made more like Jesus, but if you die at 99 years old, are you going to be, like, pretty much sin-free? What do y'all think? No, absolutely not. You will die as a sinner. However, you will live in Christ. In the meantime, we are slaying sin the rest of our lives. We are asking the Spirit to help us. But as a Christian, we should hate. There should be this hatred. Yes, I sin. Uh, There's that sin that I cannot get over. I just can't. I keep coming back to it. That's going to happen. There's other verses that talk about that. Do you hate that sin, though? That's evidence of the Spirit. Do you obey God's word? Now, I know immediately you're going to think, no, sometimes I really don't. Of course, we don't, we don't obey God's word perfectly. We are sinful humans. But 1 John 2, 3 says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is our aim. This is our response. Our response is to obey God's word. Why? Because of what he's done. You know, it's funny, I was, uh, uh, Lila, it was, it was your testimony, I think, that we were, uh, I was talking through uh, what it means, like what does that actually look like? And I, 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 you know, one of the examples is I can say it to adults. You know, imagine you that you are in millions of dollars in debt. And Lila was like, I don't, I don't think I have that much debt. I'm like, of course you don't, because yeah. Uh, but imagine you are in tons of debt. I think what did we end up using? Like you got in trouble or something like that, and you were going to go to jail for the rest of your life. So imagine that you are millions of dollars in debt, and you are going to go to jail for the rest of your life for something that you've done. And then someone comes in and says, uh, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pay all of your debt. And also, I'm going to go to jail for you. And, that's, and they come up to you and say that. And then they say, by the way, uh, I don't have my car today. Before I do that, do you mind giving me a ride home? Would you be like, what? I don't have time for this. I don't have time to give him a ride home. What would your response be? Give the man a ride home. He just paid all of your debts. He just, he's going to jail for you. It's not a, out of a uh, necessity that you're giving him a ride home. Uh, it's because of what he's done for you. Terrible example, but that's what all of these are, is, is we obey God's word because of what he has done for us, because of, he says uh, that we do this, and because of who he is and what he's done. Do you obey God's word? Without the spirit, you cannot and you will not. Do you reject this evil world? 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This should be a convicting one. There's a lot of things that, that we love in this world. We'd say, I love my life, or maybe you don't. But there's a lot of things in this world um, that can distract us. Do you reject the evils of this world? The invitation to follow Jesus uh, is, is less than, or is not, you know, accept Jesus into your heart and then it will be puppies and rainbows the rest of your life and your life is going to get easier. The invitation to follow Jesus is come and die. Die to yourself. To me, that's freeing because I, I will not do this life the right way. Come and die to yourself, but follow a king who will be with you in all of life's trials. I like the way Francis Chan said it. He said, the world says, love yourself, grab all you can, follow your heart. Jesus says, deny yourself, grab your cross, and follow me. Do you reject the evil, this evil world? 
Do you eagerly await Christ's return? 1 John 3, 2 through 3 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will, and what we will, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself and is pure. I'll ask you that. Are you ready to go? Who here is like, I'm ready to go right now? Some of you are like, I put on a seatbelt, so I'm not that ready to go, I guess. I get it. That's a kind of a trick question. Yes, we, uh, there, there is work to be done here. But do you eagerly wait Christ's return? Are you ready to go? Is your citizenship here or is it in heaven? Do you eagerly await for Christ's return? Do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? 1 John 3, 4 through 10 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that, that he appeared in order that to take away the sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the, reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Did you catch a key word in there? What, was, what did it say right before sinning? Makes a what? Did you catch that? Yep. Makes a practice of sinning. That's what this is talking about. Again, do you hate your sin? You will always, there will be sin in your life. You see a decreasing pattern because of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who helps us in our sin. Do you love other Christians? Some of you are like, hmm. There's a few other Christians in here I don't love right now. Just kidding. 1 John 2, 9 through 11 says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. That's convicting. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Do you show love and peace toward other Christians? I'm speaking specifically to Christians. Do you love other Christians? Do you get that, that joy of being around other Christians? Are you surrounding yourself? Students, we'll talk about this tonight uh, when we go through Psalm 1. Are you surrounding yourself with other Christians? That doesn't mean kick out your old friends, but are you surrounding yourself with people who build you up, and are you yourself building other people up? Do you love communion with other Christians? Or are you the one that causes strife? Do you experience answered prayer? Show of hands, who here has had a prayer answered recently? Love it. 
Share those stories. It's awesome to see what God does. First John 5, 13 through 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we, let, me, let me read that again. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we asked of him. If you're a Christian, a child of God, you will experience answered prayer. That is, that is an evident. You will see that as evidence of the Spirit. You will see prayers answered. It may, may not be on your timing, but you will see answered prayers. We, we saw it even this trip. Uh, there's people here today that I have been praying for that would be here uh, for over a year, and they're here today. That's an answered prayer. I encourage you also, uh, just on a side note, write these down. Uh, where's Katie? Where's Katie? Katie did an excellent job on, on journaling on the trip and the, talking about the, the spiritual discipline of journaling. Not a requ- it's not a required thing. Uh, but when you write down your prayers, is anybody here write down their prayers? Write down their answered prayers? Is, is, how cool is it to see and look back at this record of what God has done? Encourage you, Christians, start writing down those prayers. All right. Do you experience ministry of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? 1 John 4, 13. By this we know that we abide in him and him in us because he has given us his spirit. This is, again, noticing. My students are going to roll their eyes because we talk about this so many times. Notice. God is working. We have to notice. What is the spirit doing in your life? The spirit is the one who does everything. Do you see God working through you? That is evidence of the Spirit. Anything good that you do, Christian, is the Spirit working through you. If you desire Christ, it's only because the Spirit is the one that led you to desire Him. Notice what the Spirit is doing. Can you discern between spiritual truth and error? 1 John 4, 1 through 3, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Can you recognize... Do you, first of all, do you understand, are you starting to understand Scripture? You'll hear this uh, in the baptisms today, that there are people who were blind to Scripture, and now they understand Scripture. If you are understanding Scripture, that is an evidence of the Spirit. You cannot understand it without the Spirit. Can you discern between spiritual truth and error? I've had this question too, what is discernment? Telling between two things. Can you tell what is truth and what is error? This is so important today too. Who here watches other sermons online? I'm not going to call some of y'all out. Scott does this often. Uh, he's looking around for one in particular. We don't need it. We don't need Hey, listen, love other Christians, Scott. <laughs> be vigilant. How do you know, and you should be doing this right now, okay? How do you know if what I'm saying is true? If you take nothing else away, go to this. When you watch something else on TV or on, uh, on you know, 
YouTube or whatever, go back to the Word. That's, well, that's our only hope, and that's where you can discern between spiritual truth and error, and the Spirit will help you with that. I think this is my last one, and this is a big one. Have you suffered rejection because of your faith? 1 John 3.13 says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Have you suffered rejection because of your faith? Because you will. If, you're, if you are a Christian, you will suffer. It, it, it's many times in Scripture, provided we suffer. You will suffer. You will lose friends. You will lose relationships. I know some, it's, it's, it's different. You know, I come from the Northwest where um, Christianity is, is very much, I should say, more hated. And so you go out preaching Jesus, you will not be met with, amen, brother, uh, here in the South. God bless you. Bless your heart. I don't know what, what accent that was, but uh, you will, you'll get that here, maybe. But if you're preaching Christ and him crucified, you will suffer rejection. And that is something to count as joy. If you, if you preach Christ and him crucified and you are rejected because of your faith, that means you are identifying with Christ. And what an honor that is. He promises that. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. They hated him. What an honor it is to be next to Jesus in that. There's another side of this. If you are being hated for your faith, um, students, I told you this too, uh, you could just be a jerk. <laughs> so don't be a jerk. Uh, there's a way. There's tact. Speak the truth in love. Um, but, but suffering is promised. If you hear nothing else today, I'll wrap it up. 11-11, that's not too bad. Repent and believe. Christian, repent and believe. Non-Christian, I want to see you in paradise. There is, it's, not a, it's not a coincidence that you are here hearing this message. It is the truth. And Jesus says, repent and believe. What does that mean? Repent means turn away. What God says, what God hates, we turn away from that. But here's the most important part, we turn to him. We have a helper in the spirit. Repent from your sins, turn to Christ for eternal life. For the Christian by name only, that was the third group I was talking about, we're about to head into communion. And I do not say this to um, talk down or to uh, discourage Take a minute before you do this and examine yourself. Examine yourself on do I, am I truly saved? And if you're not, come talk to us in the back. We, you ask that question, what must I do to be saved? We will point you right back to scripture and we will show you what you must do to be saved and it would be our joy. Repent, believe, trust, and obey. Let's pray.